Well, welcome to church. I have a, a headline for you, I hope. There you go. Um, this is from a study a few years ago. Don't know why you come to church, but it seems from this that if you want to live a long life, going to church might be the answer. Who knew? And this study, it was a secular study, but it found that regular service attendance was sort of linked to um, reductions in stresses in our body, and it even led to longer life, so much so that worshippers could expect to live four years longer than people who didn't go to a religious service. Hmm, wow. I wonder what Jesus has to say about that. This is what Jesus had to say. In John 10, verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Notice, Jesus doesn't just promise that everything will be all right in the end. He doesn't just promise that we'll get by okay. And indeed, he doesn't promise that we'll have a long life on this earth. He promises something better. He promises a full life. And it's good, I think, to be reminded that we can be robbed of that. We're just coming to the end of a series where we have looked at how we might flourish as God intended, enjoying that fullness of life. And we've been looking at a series of Fs, family, friends, fellowship, finances, and today, as we come to the end of our series, we are considering faith. How do we flourish as people of faith? Well, if you've joined us today um, in person or online, and you would say that you don't yet have faith in Jesus, you are so very welcome. I hope you've already realized that. Please hear this. A full life is on offer. Don't be robbed of it. We're going to look at some verses from a letter in the Bible written by Peter. Um, it's called To Peter in our Bibles, and it has a lot to say about growing in faith. Now, it's written by Peter, no surprise there. He is maybe the disciple that we know the most about. Um, there are lots of famous stories about Peter. And I want to remind you about him as the author of this letter, because I think that's useful when we read what he has to say. We presume that he wasn't a highly educated man. Um, he was working as a fisherman when he met Jesus. We know that he had a family, and we know that he left everything to follow Jesus. We know he's impulsive. He jumps into things without thinking. He blurts stuff out without thinking about what he's saying. But sometimes he's absolutely spot on with what he says. But you know, what we may remember about him, that he's, he let Jesus down very publicly, very badly, when Jesus was facing death. But this is the man that Jesus chose to build his church on. He called him the rock. Peter gets forgiven, he gets restored, 
And then when the Holy Spirit comes, and we read about this in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes, he is transformed by the power of the Spirit into an incredible preacher and a strong church leader. So I'm telling you all that about Peter because I can, I can relate to Peter. His, his faith wasn't untested. It wasn't an ivory tower academic sort of faith. It's tried, it's tested, it's real life. So I'm interested in what he has to say about growing in faith. And we are going to read from 2 Peter, the first chapter, and we're going to start reading at verse 3. So please do open up your Bibles if you have them. Get your devices switched on. I always find it, it takes an eternity for my Bible to open up on my phone. But it will, the words will be up on the screen behind me. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to share three ways this morning in which we can help our faith grow and in which we can flourish in life. But I want to start with some good news, because this morning you might be feeling like you lack faith. Maybe you feel like you have lost faith that you had in the past. Or maybe you just think, I don't feel like I'm really growing, progressing. I don't feel like I'm flourishing. And it's easy to lay a big, heavy burden on ourselves when we think like that. Maybe you heard that list of amazing godly qualities I just read from that letter, and you think, oh gosh, I fall such a long way short of that, still. But we don't need to despair. Rather, we can be encouraged that God provides everything we need for a godly life. That's what this says, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. Everything. And verse 4 says this, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature. What does that mean? Well, it means to be more like Christ. So my first point is that 
Growing in knowledge of God will help us to grow and flourish in our faith. That word knowledge appears several times in this passage, and it's, it's possible that looking at the context of the letter and looking back at the history, um, you know, Peter is doing that for a specific reason. There was a movement called Gnosticism that you might have heard of that put great store on having knowledge, um, but didn't worry too much about how you behaved. Um, and there's a possibility Peter is just trying to contradict those, um, that teaching here. They claimed that only a special few had the knowledge that was needed. So does this have any relevance now? Well, actually, I think that's a theme that just keeps recurring through history. It was relevant then, but it keeps cropping up time and time again. Aren't we bombarded with false teaching? Don't we hear lots of fake news, people telling us that they know special things that we don't understand? Doesn't that go on now? We can get swept along with the current thinking that I have my truth and you have your truth. Recollections may differ. Actually, you know what's important? God's truth. God's truth. He tells us he is the truth. He wants you to flourish. Don't be robbed. This is what um, Paul, who was another of the um, early church leaders, wrote to the Philippian church. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Focusing on God and growing on knowledge, in knowledge of him is a lifestyle habit. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice that we make. So I can choose to spend my time listening to media stars telling me about their truth, or I can choose to fill my mind with something more helpful and beautiful. So we remind ourselves of those great and precious promises we just read of when we read God's word through worship. I've had one of those songs running through my head for the last couple of weeks, and it reminds me about God. It increases my knowledge of God, that picture of him running towards me and his amazing grace. I'm reminded that he loves me and he always will, that he wants the very best for all of us and that he'll always be faithful. There is so much more. So my faith, I decided, is not going to flourish if the time I spend on social media far outweighs the time that I spend reading my Bible and praying and worshipping God. And, you know, we sometimes refer to reading the Bible, praying, worshipping as spiritual disciplines. And that word discipline can be a bit off-putting. It suggests that a deal of effort is required, doesn't it? You might say, and you would be right, that striving to please God can't make, me love, make him love me anymore. That's true. You might say, can't I just rely on God's grace? Yep, that's an important truth. But I love what Andy said in the very first week of this series. He was talking about grace, and he said this. He said, grace is opposed to earning. We don't earn our salvation. We don't earn God's love. 
but grace is not opposed to effort. So the second point that I want to make this morning is that we see here in these verses that effort is required to grow in faith. So verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. And then in verse 10, it repeats that, make every effort. Some translations have that as be eager to confirm your calling and election. So faith is the root of our Christian life, and we have the opportunity to add these other qualities which produce a well-rounded, fruitful life. And I don't think Peter means one at a time. They're presented as a list, but I don't think it's like, we'll work on goodness on Monday, self-control a bit later in the week, and perseverance, well, might get round to that sometime in March. These are things that we cultivate simultaneously as we grow and flourish. And if you want to know if you're flourishing, then, well, we can look for the demonstration of these qualities in our lives, can't we? Knowledge builds our faith, but our faith is not passive. It should be seen at work. So, Again, that was an intimidating list of qualities. I think we need a bit more encouragement. So here's some encouragement from Jesus. His disciples cried out to him, increase our faith. Maybe like you and me, they were thinking, blimey, this sounds tough. This is in Luke 17. Increase our faith. How does Jesus respond? He says you don't need much. He says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, there's a funny thing to want to do, isn't it? I mean, poor tree. I love trees. I don't know about you. It's a very strange example. But what is he saying? He simply wants to encourage us to take hold of that little bit of faith and do something amazing with it, something that is not humanly possible. I went to listen to Steve Nicholson last week. Um, you haven't missed out. You might have heard about Steve Nicholson coming to the UK for a few months. He's going to be at Winchester in a couple of weeks, and if you can possibly get there, I would encourage you to do so. And he said this. He said lots of good things, but one particular thing I wrote down was this. Our commitment to give something a go opens up God's power. It's not to do with my strength or your strength. So I wonder, as we consider how we might flourish now at the beginning of 2023, where is God calling us to make an effort? Where is he encouraging us to take our mustard seed of faith and put it into action? Would you take a moment now just to think of something that maybe you've avoided doing, something you've avoided saying, are there opportunities around where God is calling you, you know, to take a faithful risk? Maybe a, conversa a conversation that would restore a relationship. As I was preparing this, I just felt that, you know, some of us who heard Rob's talk about friendships a couple of weeks ago, some of us haven't yet picked up the phone or sent the text 
to try and um, get back in touch with people who have dropped out of our lives. Maybe you feel moved to join one of our ministries when you hear about us talking about the need in storehouse. Maybe when you hear about DTI, you think, hmm, maybe I could volunteer for that. Or maybe it's reaching out into your community or just inviting your neighbors around. Our human expectations are so limited often, but fullness of life comes when we live a life beyond our expectations, beyond our own limits. And I know it can be easy to look around and you see others who you think are better equipped with the faith to go do stuff. For example, you might think that others are better equipped to come forward and pray for people at the end of the service. That can feel scary. I don't offer to, to pray for people because I feel super confident in myself, but because I know that I can get to be a part of seeing God's kingdom breaking through into people's lives. Why would I miss out on that? So I read that mustard seed story um, a few weeks ago in Luke 17 in my daily Bible readings. And I loved what the commentator said about this passage, so I wrote it down. They said, There are no heroic Christians, only faithful ones through whom God does heroic things. Don't we need a lot of heroic things going on in our lives and in our community at the moment? You see, I think faith is like a muscle. It needs exercise. If you've heard me speak before, you will know that I have a passing acquaintance with the gym. I have to confess that in 2022, the gym and I, we sort of drifted apart. It wasn't the gym's fault. It was all, all down to me. Very sad. Now, as I ended 2022, I started to notice some differences. I still have muscles. I wouldn't be standing up in front of you this morning if I didn't have muscles. But they've shrunk. They've got weaker. Why? I haven't used them as much. Simple as that. We take the little faith that we have, and as we exercise it, it grows. So we flourish when we know what God's promises are. We seize hold of them and we step out in faith. And somebody once said, the more we depend on God, the more dependable we find he is. And that leads me to the final way of building our faith. We build our faith by remembering. Remembering. Verse 9 talks about forgetting. It says, whoever does not have them, that's those qualities, is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Forgetting is very short-sighted. When we take communion together like we did last week, we remember what Jesus did for us. We pointed to the cross earlier this morning as well. Christ has given so much in order for us to obtain fullness of life. And he just yearns for us to enter into that. And I think that as we remember what God has done for us, we get to know him better and it builds our faith.
Psalm 145 says, I will meditate on your wonderful works. And indeed, a lot of the Psalms and a lot of Scripture, um, they recount stories of what God did for his people in the past. And that is encouraging. That constant storytelling is really powerful. It's why we encourage here in this church people to share their stories, because it builds our faith. And you know, at a personal level, we can take steps to remember what God is doing for us. Um, I keep a little journal that I write in most days. I know it's old school, pen and paper. But personally, I find phones, tablets, there's so many distractions on there. So I'm better off with a book and a pen. So what do I write in here? Well, it might be what I've learned about Jesus as I read the Bible what I'm thankful for. I have a little shorthand, put a little tick. Sometimes it says tick, good night's sleep. Thank you, God, that was great. And then I put a little dash when I pray for something, just this is what's on my heart. Lord. Recently, I was waiting for a medical test. A lot of people on waiting lists at the moment. And then just out of the blue, the hospital rang me up and said, we've got a cancellation for tomorrow morning. Would you like that appointment? And I was so grateful. I said, yes, yes, that would be great. And on the way there, I was saying, well, thank you, God. Thank you, you've answered my prayer. And then I thought, oh, did I actually ask God for this? This has just come out the blue. And when I got home, I was able to look in the journal, and I looked back to the previous week, and there it was. A swift scan at a convenient time. I remembered what I'd prayed for. How do you think I then felt as I waited for the results of that scan? Well, my faith grew. My faith grew. God was on my case. He'd heard my prayer. He was listening. He cared. He could do it again. And you know there's a lot of power in encouraging one, of the, one another. There are lots of good reasons for being in small groups, um, but that is one of them. We encourage one another. In my small group, be careful with this jar, we have this jar of pebbles. Give it a rattle for the people at the back. We have this jar of pebbles. When we have an answer to a big prayer, it's written on a pebble, and it goes in the jar. There's at least one pebble in here that means a lot to me. When my brother, a few years ago, was nearing the end of his life, he was at home and he wasn't very comfortable. And I said to my small group, we really need a hospice bed for Ian. And they prayed, and within 24 hours, I was able to go back to them and say, we've got a hospice bed. And you know, the last week of his life was so much more comfortable. He had great care, and so did his family as we sat with him. It was incredible. We're encouraged as we remind ourselves and each other of God's goodness and the great things he has done. If you were to look in here, you'll see there are babies, there are operations, there are jobs, there are healings. We are encouraged to see this jar fill up. So how can we grow in faith? Well, we fill our mind with God's, minds with God's truth. 
But we don't just grow in knowledge of him. We take those little mustard seeds of faith, put them into action, and God promises us amazing stories that remind us and one another of what he's doing in our lives.